0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, I hope you've got a copy of the, the outline this morning. If not, there's some out there in the foyer that came in with the bulletin. Um, I had a, wanted to follow up kind of a, some of the message from last week, those that were here or those that listened. we had, uh, I think it was 140 hits on live stream, I think that was what Daniel told me last weekend. So those that are joining us by live stream from other states and other nations, we welcome you. I think Spanish church too, many nations joining from, since ever been a lockdown in South America. So praise God. I just honor Daniel and the team for all that they do there. Well, last week, um, I laid out what I see as the Global River Vision for 2020. Uh, 2021, and the major focus or the top priority is a lifestyle of pursuit, Jesus and His righteousness. This living for God, and we handed out a number of scriptures that go with that. Matthew 6.33 certainly is a familiar scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything that you need will be added. But also living for God and living through God That's in that 1 Peter 4, 1 through 9 that I shared last week. Make every effort. This is in 2 Peter. I shared this. Make every effort. That's kind of interesting language. Do your best. Push through. Get serious, however you want to put language on that. Make every effort to be living a pure, blameless, and peaceable life. Pure, blameless, and peaceable. That's 2 Peter 3, 14. Why? Pastor, why, you know, why such a big push? Well, 1 Peter four seven says this. You might want to re- write this down and meditate on it. 1 Peter 4.7 says, the end of the world is coming soon. King James says it this way, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be sober, diligent, watch unto prayer. Now, Pastor, that's 2,000 years ago when Peter wrote that. Yeah, he wrote it as his final epitaph, right? He knew that he was going to be martyred. It was 30 years after Jesus had already been resurrected. He had fought the good fight. He'd gone from all that rejection, denial, to the place where he did feed the sheep. He did feed the lambs. He's now sitting in a Roman prison. Paul is close by. Paul is about to be beheaded because they don't crucify Roman citizens. Paul being a Roman citizen, so he was going to be poured out like a drink offering. That's what happens when you slice off somebody's head. So he was a, that prophecy was there. Jesus had also prophesied to Peter 30 years earlier after the resurrection revelation on the beach with him. He said, I'm telling you right now, Peter, later, you used to go where you wanted to go, but later someone will stretch out your hands and will take you where you don't want to go. And we know that he was crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy at that point to be crucified the same way as his Lord. That's what history tells us. So the end of all things is at hand. He also tells us in that three chapters of Peter that we read, that third chapter, Second Peter, where he talks about the whole world is going to go up in flames. The, so he's like, yeah, but that's... The mockers say that happened, you know, he's talked about this for 2,000 years, Pastor. Yeah, he goes, yeah, but a day is like a 1,000 years. And a thousand years like one day in God's calendar. So that's only two days ago in God's calendar of eternity. Two days ago, Peter wrote that, it says, You better get ready, the world is about to end. So, you know, that ought to motivate us. He tells us, If there's nothing else that motivates you, recognize if you knew that today was your last day, would you do anything different? If you knew this was your last week, what would you do differently? And yet we're supposed to live in the expectation of get ready, be ready. Don't be caught unawares. It'll come like a thief. Jesus told us that multiple, multiple times. So the only safe place to be is in Jesus. He's the only safe place. He is the ark. There's only one ark. His name is Jesus. And he's got a room for you. That's why he said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. So get your room set up through your worship in the ark of Jesus. He's decorating. He says, 2,000 years ago, I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. He, I don't know what he He made the world in seven day, six days and then rested. So 2,000 years, he's been working on my room. Wow. No wonder my eye can't see, my ear can't hear what God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. It's kind of woo Anyway. So that priority, that focus is a lifestyle of pursuit. That's our that's our vision. Right? Now, that's why we're doing a 21-day fast. 2021. We're in intercession. I, I love our intercessory. It's my favorite meeting of the week on Wednesday mornings. You're invited if you like to come, nine o'clock if you're ever free. Nine to ten thirty. We take communion. We have a time. Usually we average between seventeen and twenty-eight intercessors that are interceding, and it's not individual stuff. It's not like, you know, come and pray for my headache. We will, but it's really about a higher level of intercession where we come together and we ask for God's assignment. And so during that time, 2021, it was like, let's do a 21-day fast for the 21st 2021. So tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, I invite you to join. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is it? that I should set aside for 21 three weeks that would draw me into a place where my attention is more focused on Him. That could be food. It could be media. It could be gossip. I'm not going to gossip. <laughs> Somebody said, I, I did that one. I didn't get past the parking lot, and I failed on that one. i <laughs> like, wow, okay. Um, if that's a challenge in your area, just l- ask the Holy Spirit to show you what that is. If it's food or something else, but do it so that you're unto the Lord. And you might say, well, what's the who, what, when, where, and why? What, what are the five W's on this, Pastor? Well, the who is Jesus. If we're going to be in pursuit of him, who is it that we're in pursuit of? Jesus. What is it? It's a lifestyle of godly pursuit. It's a lifestyle of holiness. That's the what. Well, when is it? Let's do it now. Well, where are we going to do it? Start right here. <laughs> And then do it out here. What would happen if we had a remnant core of people that are really serious in their pursuit of Jesus? It says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro on the earth just looking for some place that he could show himself strong in. We know that scripturally, we talked about this at men's group the other night, Monday night, that we were looking at what, what draws men in, uh, into that place and what draws the presence of God into that place And we know in Mark's gospel, chapter 6, remember it says Jesus went back to his hometown and it said he could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. This is the carpenter's son. So what happens if you've got a lot of unbelieving sinners running around practicing their sin in the congregation? He's probably going to withhold because you can't really carry that anointing. We know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit, right? You can, there's that place of, The Holy Spirit lives and dwells in here, but the behavior, the attitudes, the thought life, all of those things, they grieve and shut down the anointing. But what happens on the opposite side? When you get enough walking together in pursuit of Him, what's He going to do? That's where the miraculous, you can be trusted. You're not here after pride and arrogance. Watch us. We did this. Now, it's not about, can the King receive the glory on a resurrected group of people that are following and honoring Him. That's the heart of the pursuit, right? And so, the why? Because the end is near. <laughs> so, the who is Jesus? The, what is it? The lifestyle? When? It's now? Where? It's here? And why? Because the end is near. The end of all things is near. If you look, go, I challenge you this, go and look at the prophetic words Jesus put out. In Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. Look at the Old Testament in Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. The fulfillment of these prophecies, if hundreds of these prophecies of His birth, the first coming, how many more of the second coming are about ready to unfold? You'd almost have to be brain dead not to get it now. And so I encourage you, He tells us, watch out, watch out, watch out. It's going to come suddenly. So that ought to motivate us, but not because we want to just escape which is good. (laughs) He told us in Revelation 3.10, because you have persevered and because you have kept my commandments, I will keep you from what is coming on the whole earth to test and try those of the world. I'll keep you from it. Now, I don't know how they, he's going to rapture us out? I don't know. Is he going to keep us in the ark? I don't know. All he knows, he says he knows how to punish the wicked and preserve the godly at the same time. And so we want to be in that ark, under the shadow of the wing. Is Psalm 91 real, or is it just a bunch of rhetoric that we r- continue to regurgitate? We live in the sheltered place of the Most High, under the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. This I say of the Lord, this I declare that He is my God, and there is no other. He says, I'll spring the snare of the fowler. I'll keep you from those that are sick and die. The thing that tries to strike and creep at noon around at night, or the things that strike at noonday. You may see thousands falling to the left, 10,000 on the right, but none of these evils will befall your dwelling place. Amen. Man, I can't tell you, I've been in countries where the warlocks wanted to kill us and the, the people of another faith with their hats and their stuff were there. And I'm like, oh, God, is that Psalm really true? I remember sitting there smiling while the words were going. Oh, God, look at those people out there. Is that scripture real, God? I tell you, it's real. It is real. If you will make, if you'll touch the hem of his garment. What did Bishop Sherrick a few weeks ago? I love this. It says, they didn't mix the word with faith. You can read the word, but if you don't mix it with faith, you don't make that active. It, does, it says it doesn't profit them at all. So we want to be faith mixers in the word. <laughs> Fixing up that cake of goodness with God, right? So turn with me, if you will, in your handout. There's a really a follow-on to we've been looking hard at character and pursuit. And so, in keeping with last week's message, I've titled this message, True Godliness with Contentment is Great Wealth. That's the New Living Translation, the Thought for Thought translation. The King James says, True Godliness with Contentment is Great Gain. It's great gain. Now... Let's just kind of camp on this. First of all, the definition of godliness, I've, I've listed it there. Godliness, that's not a word we use a lot in our culture. Godliness is the quality of pursuing God and His righteousness. It is like a core value of your life. I'm in pursuit of the one. I'm, I'm, the things you do, the way you meditate, the, the, the pursuits of where you spend your money, how you occupy your time, what you... this true godliness. Now, if he lists true godliness, there must be false godliness. Paul warned us, watch out for those who have a form of godliness, but deny the very power thereof. They may be all doing all their stuff, looking, looking the part, but they have no power. He says, from those, stay away from, right? So, true godliness is this quality, this core value, this, this value that we have in us that pursues God. Well, what's contentment? A state of happiness and satisfaction. You know, we're getting ready to start. I don't know if this is good, but I said, hey, we're getting ready to start a 21-day fast. And so I took Katie out for a daddy date yesterday, and we went to Antonio's. Oh, man, you got to try Antonio's, man. <laughs> I think Nicole was there. Nicole here this morning, <laughs> she was, she was off, walked in to get a pizza. Man, I got a spaghetti plate and a meatball. Those meatballs, I could have, they were like basketballs. I had to take it home and have it for dinner as well and i did really well <laughs> i said okay we're going to start this fast and lord but th- there was a sense after i had you know i've been kind of cutting out carbs there was this carb rush like full contentment like <laughs> so <laughs> there's something about contentment i don't know if that's a good example but if you've had a place where you're just satisfied right well guess what that's in the natural but in the spirit realm there's a contentment that can come to those who have a revelation of that. That's what Paul was referring to here in, uh, in Timothy. True godliness with contentment, a righteous pursuit of God with this happy satisfaction in God is great gain. Well, let's look at this because it's, it's really, I think if we get a hold of this concept, it will help us in the motivation of our pursuit So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse 3. So Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. Remember he said, you have many fathers, Timothy, but there's, you have many uh, teachers, Timothy, but only one father. He was equipping Timothy. He had laid hands on him. He knew his mother and his grandmother. They had laid hands on him. The presbytery had called forth his giftings. He was young, but he was about, actually, he'd gone to prison with Paul. He was one of those faithful sons that stayed with Paul even through when a lot of people had abandoned him. And he's about to become the senior pastor at the church in revival at Ephesus, which is so he he's getting instruction before Paul is martyred, and he starts out in 1 Timothy 6, 3, teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some, me, some people may contradict your teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life, godliness. King James says it this way, teach the doctrines which according to godliness. That's what King James says. So teach these doctrines of truth about Christ. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has unhealthy desires to quibble over the meaning of words, stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy, division, slander, evil suspicions. These people, they are always causing trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they've turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, be content. Pastor Willie told me a joke the other day that you know he's not really good at joke telling like I am. And so but but I but I like this joke because it, it, it meets this thing. You can you know, you're the statement that says you can't uh, you never see a hearse driving down a road with a U Haul behind it, right? Well, there's this guy. He was really filthy wealthy, and he married this woman who wasn't, and he has a prenuptial agreement that when I die, I want all my stuff, I want all my money in my casket with me. And she signs the prenup, right? Well, after a few years, he dies. So after the funeral, they're back, and the lady's friend comes up and says, so did you you give him everything in his casket? Yeah, I wrote him a check. Pastor Willie, I don't know where he came with that one, but it was like, but it, it's, that, it's that thought is, what, you, what are you placing all your treasure on? What, you're not taking it with you. Remember he told the guy who had all the barns, make a bigger thing, make it bigger, bigger. He says, you yeah, know, well, tomorrow you'll be required to give up your soul, and then where will you be? So it's, it's wise for us to enjoy the gifts he gives us. I'm not saying that, you know, we, we, we have to take up a poverty lifestyle, unless the Lord tells you that, but because there, there was great wealth in the kingdom. Abraham, and they were all Lot. They were all um, blessed. David, certainly Solomon, good night, Solomon. And yet it didn't do them well at the end of it. So there's this place of contentment. And let's read on what he says. Um, in, if you look at uh, Philippians chapter 4, and I've listed that at the top of your handout here, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4.11, I have learned how to be content. Now, let's just say law there for a minute. Let's stop and meditate on that for a minute. I have learned to be content. I'm I'm learning, but I haven't learned it yet completely, right? In fact, most Americans, you know, I've been on some mission trips. We've been in some you know, mud huts and skitas and, oh, my goodness, we're not sure. There wasn't even hot coffee in the morning in the jungle there. <laughs> and so... We understand that you take away some of our stuff and we start complaining just like the Israelites did. Wasn't there leaks and great things in back in Egypt and you brought us out here to kill us, Moses? We're, it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in. We can talk a good talk, but start stripping away the stuff. So there's something about what Paul says, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. Look at that top of your handout. Whatever I have, I've learned something. I know how to live on almost nothing or on everything. I've learned the secret. There's a secret of living in this situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or little. What is it? I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. See, it's that state of being. It's this there's this place of the revelation of the kids. It's the Paul who is in prison with Silas, beaten, and yet they're in the inner, they're in stocks in the inner prison, and they start singing songs of praise, which then causes an earthquake, which then causes the prisoners, you don't leave, guys. They don't run, that, which is what? And then the jailer is going to come in and commit suicide. He says, no, no, we're all here. We're just having a praise meeting. Yeah, all the stocks and the buildings have all fallen down, but we're here. So let's just praise the Lord. And the jailer goes, how do I get saved? How does my family get saved? Because what you're doing is not natural. And so Paul had learned some things. You see, it's a state of being, and that's that place where, in that state of being, we, we don't ignore some of the things that are happening but it's the belief, the attitude, it's the mindset that's behind all that's happening. And Paul instructs us. Let's take a look at First uh, Timothy chapter three. Go back again, and in verse First Timothy three, look at verse sixteen. It says that King James says it this way: First Timothy three sixteen. Without controversy, there's a great, this is a great mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He's talking about the incarnate Christ. But he also says there's this great mystery of godliness. I like it even better in, in, if you look at First uh, Timothy 4.8. Just kind of look over on the next part of that. It says, First Timothy 4.8 says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. It promises benefits in this life and in the one to come. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard to continue in the struggle for our hope is in the living God, the savior of all. Teach these things, verse 11. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're so young. Be an example to all the believers by the way you live in your love in your faith, and in your purity. Until I get there, Timothy, don't neglect the spiritual gift. You know, um, the other night we're in men's group and Corey shared, he's working on, I hope I can share this, he's working on pressing 500 pounds. (laughs) Deadlift. That's not a a press? Okay, okay, that's this? Okay, whatever. (laughs) You can tell I've been in the gym. And so... (laughs) And I'm thinking, 500 pounds, like good night. Now, what's the, he, he, that? That boy is big and strong, right? And now, in about 30 years, Corey, like me, everything starts to fall down. <laughs> I, I just—it's not what he Paul's saying is—it's okay to go work out and do all your stuff, but don't miss the fact because I remember some point when I I. I I used to go to the gym before COVID, right? I mean, Planet Fitness, and they'd be all there's these guys, and they got arms as big as my head, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> hey, anyway, so but there's a prideful arrogance you can tell. It's the flesh-driven stuff that's there, right? So there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're doing that to look at me and how ripped I am, and you're missing the point that hey, look, there's something a whole lot deeper. That's what Paul's telling his spiritual son, son. One day you're going to be old like me <laughs> and pursue godliness. That will give you benefits in the next life, not only in this life, right? And so he's encouraging that, look, pursue godliness. That godliness will do something for you. Same with, so he's, he's transitioning. He's talking about riches. He's talking about uh, pride and arrogance. He's saying, look, keep your focus. Look at number one there. Paul instructs his son Timothy to train in godliness to unlock the great mystery of this, godly, this godless, the godliness of mission, purpose. Train for it. Learn to be content in your pursuit. Watch out for those who have a form. Number three, watch out for those who have a form of godliness. They act religious. It's fake religion masquerading as deception. Watch out for that. Number four, by God's divine power, he's given us everything we need for living a godly life. Did you get that? He has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's given it all. He wouldn't call you to something and not produce or give you the ability to get it. And so he says with patient endurance, that's the mystery. Now something... um, Lisa Moore shared when she was sharing a few weeks ago, and she didn't get to finish. We were talking about character I had preached the week before. She followed up on it, and she sent me a, a, an email the next day, said I didn't get to share this due to time, but it fits really well right now with, with uh, where we are. And it says, she goes on and it says there's a, there's a Greek word, l-u-p-e-o, lupeo, which means to make sorrowful or to affect to cause sadness or grief, to actually throw you into sorrow. It's a Greek passive word, and it's interesting. There's this place, I don't know about you, but there was a time when I believed that it was not right for me to be sad. And you can get scripture like, be joyful always. There's a difference between joy, right, Um, and that contentment in Christ. And so, I want to unpack this for us. It says that there's this scripture in First Peter that talks about this. Let's, let's look at that for a minute. In First Peter, one six. So turn to, go to the right, go to First Peter, chapter one. It's an interesting concept that if we get a hold of it, it will help us in our warfare and battles and finding contentment. In First Peter one. In verse 6 so be truly glad there's a wonderful joy ahead it's ahead it's it's not here right now but but be glad it's coming right you have to endure many trials for a little while these trials will show you they're gonna show you they're gonna show you your faith is genuine it's being tested as fire tests and purifies like gold through your faith, it's far more precious than gold. See, Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith in the earth? It's going to be a time when things are going to get really rocky. And he says, will I find faith when I come back? Or will be those that have wandered away? I took away all their comforts and goodies, and will they still love me? In essence, when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. It goes on and says, you love him even though you've never seen him, and though you don't see him now, you trust him. You love and you trust. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So that Greek word there, what is out of that, that one six. it says, there's this distress meaning in sorrow, in your trials. Basically, you're grieved in your spirit, but at the same time, you're hopeful. Right? Miss Addie just lost her sister. Right? So there was, a, there was this grieving sadness of something that was lost. But yet when I talked to her on the phone and we prayed, you could, you could hear the hope. Right? We knew where Betty was going. Been to her house. The lady had a testimony. So it's like, okay, I'm sad right now, but, we'll, but, I, but God. <laughs> right? There's that place where there's this journey that we're on. So what, what Lisa was sharing is The lie that I believe, I believe, and I think many of us, it's not okay for me to be sad. It's almost like it's illegal. No, that's not true. But what he's saying is, don't let your sadness bring your sorrow into a deep, dark depression. Watch what you think. Watch what you say in the midst of that. In fact, I encourage you to build an altar. That's what I've done. Build altars. Go and look in your concordance or go on her to show you every place in the Scripture about altars. You may need <laughs> a long time to read through them all. And so there's this key in our training of when we have something that comes upon us and we're realizing maybe my contentment is like not really good right now, build an altar, offer him the sacrifice of praise. That just drives the devil off the deep end. It'll give him a major migraine. Imagine if he tried to set up something for you to walk through and like, they're still worshiping me. Oh, my. (laughs) How can they do that? Because he's God. Offer him the sacrifice of praise. And I've listed there, it says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You may cry tonight, and it's okay for you to cry tonight. But joy's coming. Joy's coming because at the end of this thing, He wins through all of it. We, we have this play. So don't be distressed, but don't buy it also that, that there isn't joy that's coming. But keep the main thing, the main thing. When, when we think of it, so pull together these concepts. True godliness, this quality of pursuing God in righteousness, but be content in everything that's going on right now don't strive to the point money 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 you know I choose to chase the gold ring with GE for many years and then the Lord got a hold of me and so I remember we, we just watched a movie I encourage you, you want to watch a decent movie there's a movie called uh, ultimate life it's the sequel I think to the ultimate gift it's uh you can get it. it's on Prime but it's an interesting it's a uh, this guy, Red Stevens, I won't blow it for you, but there's a guy named Red Stevens. He grows up in poverty, and his goal is to be a billionaire. And he gets there. He strikes it rich with, in Texas with oil. And and he's got his four kids. He's living in a mansion. And he gets his billion dollars. And over Christmas, he's not with his wife or his children. And his children are a mess. They're all spoiled rotten. And is this place where His friend, his black lawyer friend, has a car accident on Christmas Eve. And he's got to go on dialysis. They had to remove his kidneys. And Red comes in. This is one friend who's done a lot with him through all the business things. And, And he ends up, he realizes, I'm the same blood type. And Red Stevens, the billionaire, gives a kidney to his black friend. And God starts working on him. And he comes home. And he talks to his wife, apologizes and repents to her. All I do is work. I'm never here for you. Our kids are a mess. What have we done? What have I done? And he decides, here's what we're going to do. He gives his four kids $10,000. He says, this is for you. We've got a foundation that we're going to start helping others. We're going to take our money and we're going to work for helping others that are poor and broken. Now, you kids can do whatever you want with your 10000 Well, three of the four kids can't wait to get this and that, and they run, oh, yeah, whoa, we can do whatever we want. The one child, the youngest one, comes back after the kids have all that, gives the check back to his dad and mom and says, I got everything I need here. Use this for the foundation. That son has a grandson who then inherits the billionaire's legacy and ends up he also figures this out. In the ultimate life, he meets a woman who's broken, her daughter's sick, and ends up going on a mission field t- to Haiti. Forsakes all of his billions of dollars and says, if I don't have you, the love of my life, doing what we, I am nothing. And God, of course, gives it all. <laughs> it's, just a, it's a great message that fits well with this, is what are you pursuing? What am I pursuing right now? What's occupying our time? What lovers are you really chasing? What am I chasing? He's inviting us. He's saying, come, come, come to me. If we can just recognize at the end of this thing, that's all that's going to matter anyway. It's all, look around. If he should tarry, what, 100 years from now, likely none of us will be here. So let's capture this divine revelation of godliness in pursuit of Him, but also be content with where we are. If He wants to give us a lot, let's just share it. Let's do it. Let's give it away and help God reach all those that and enjoy the blessings. I, I wake up and it's like the one again in the movie. Just just did a lot of soul searching for me when this he ran away from home. This. Red Steve, he ran away from home, and he gets on a train with one of the men, hobo, who happens, I think, to be an angel. (laughs) And uh, he doesn't look the part, right? He looks like a hobo. In the morning, he wakes up. They're on the train, and they're jumping the rails, and they're heading to Texas. And the black man's up there, and he's writing in the air. And Red's, what are you doing? He goes, I'm making my thank you list to God right now of all the things I got. He goes, huh? And he starts listening to ten things he's thankful for. Red Stevens adopts that policy. I'm going to wake up today, and I'm going to thank God for what I do have. You start doing that, and something will start to happen in your heart, right? And so, because why you become grateful it shifts your focus. It's not what I don't have or how bad this thing is, and that. And and I know there's times when <laughs> you're walking through the valley of the shadow. Amen just keep walking. There's a there's a green pasture coming. So let's stand. I want to invite the ministry team, if you'll come, if you please would wear a mask so we can really pray close if you need privacy. And we've had an amazing time of worship. New Year's Eve was really special here. Thank, thank the Lord for what He did here and how worship has just opened up and There's a pursuit of people that are after God. We want to be the family of God. We want to be the army of God. We want to be the temple of God. We want to be the schoolhouse of God. We want to be that place. We want to be a hospital for God. Those are the five aspects, and all of them need to operate at the same time. We need to be a hospital for the broken. That's why we do prayer ministry and House of Mercy and outreach and and prayer. So we need to be a hospital to the infirm. That's why we support the halfway house and we help those that are homeless and struggling. We want to be a, a training facility. We want to equip, whether that's the Word on Sunday morning, the washing of the Word, but it's also the discipleship training on Wednesday nights. Pastor Terry's gonna share about Diedrich Bonhoeffer. The reason we were Terry and I were praying into that, if you know anything about the history when Nazi Germany, when, when Hitler was coming to power, there are many, many, many elements of that rise to power that we see right now. And Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor who gave his life. He refused to compromise. They hung him at the end of, war, just before the war ended. But he refused to compromise. And we we want to look at some of the struggles that the church went through. The church in Nazi Germany went through with the rise of fascism and Nazism. There's some real interesting principles there that we know that the church in Nepal and the church in Red China are going through and other places of the earth. In Mozambique, where they're beheading Christians not far from where our base is, went into a village, Boko Haram went into a village and beheaded many, many of their leaders in that village. We have no concept of what this is. It would be good for the church to understand what is going on And then where would you have us to stand in the midst of this? So we need to be a a discipleship schoolhouse. But we also need to be a temple of worship. That's why freedom in worship, let the prophetic flow, let the, the revelation of the Spirit, let people be free to honor and worship Him. We need to be a temple house. We also need to be an army. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We will fight and advance it we will stand in truth, we will not compromise. When the government tells us things that are contrary to this word, we will not obey it. When they tell us you can't worship, guess what? We'll worship even louder. That's a principle of our First Amendment. People died throughout history in our nation to support that amendment, and we will stand behind it. You're not going to tell us we can't worship. And so, however, we will honor. We honored the curfew the other night. We do our best to honor when it makes sense. We're not being arrogant or belligerent for no reason. But when the government crosses the line, we'll not comply. And so that's not trying to be mean. or something. It's just we have a higher kingdom. And so, Lord, we thank you that you help us in the midst of this. Help us to be bearers of truth, to do it in love, without pride or arrogance. So, Lord, I pray now that you would bless these people here that are listening by live stream. I pray now, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would capture our hearts, that we would be in pursuit of godliness, but we would be content in the midst of it, knowing that you provide all things for us. And I thank you this morning for these people that love you, God, that are here diligently seeking after you. May you bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them and give them peace in Jesus' name.